are you looking to expand your self-image? Are limiting beliefs holding you back? Are you looking to plant new beliefs and ideas? Well, shit. Me too. to the MetaZen cabinet where we get experimental about exploring your potential so you can discover your own values, the manner in which you're here to serve, and align yourself with the only certifiable rescue team you can rely on, yourself. Episode 5, One Belief Away. Welcome back to the MetaZen cabinet, y'all. This is your boy, Bo Monroe. And if you're new here, I really want to thank you for stopping through to listen and learn with us. Uh, today, we'll be talking about the power of beliefs. This episode is called One Belief Away because I truly believe, and I think tons of hundreds of millions of thousands of whatever believe the same thing that you're only one belief away from changing your life and hopefully we can get into some things today that can encourage you or galvanize you to make that leap and change the belief that may be holding you back or apply or implement a belief that will take you more in the direction that you want to go Today, we'll be talking about the importance and the power of a healthy self-image. We'll also be discussing the limiting beliefs that can be getting in your way and keeping you from being your very best. And lastly, we'll be talking about creating and implementing new beliefs and how to possibly set yourself or release yourself from the old ones that have been hurting you. So stay tuned for that. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but Swami Vivekananda said, you cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. Read that again. You cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. I wanted to start this episode off with this powerful quote because I really believe it is a testament to the given fact that, or opinion, (laughs) whatever, uh, a testament to the idea that you cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. So the depth at which you believe in God, if you do, that's another story. It doesn't have anything to do with me. But the depth at which you believe in God is equally reflected in how deeply you believe in yourself. Whatever you feel and believe God to be capable of in your life, your that belief and faith is an inner reflection of your own capabilities. I feel like we spend so much time holding ourselves back and we're doing and suppressing our deepest desires because we always around here trying to please somebody, trying to appease somebody. And in return, we're the ones that are being denied, we're being neglected. The things that we're here to share and offer are being neglected. They're not being tapped into. And when you truly think about what it means to be created in God's image, God doesn't do that. God has an energy about doing whatever must be done, no matter who it upsets, no matter how hard the calls or how hard the decisions or who gets pissed off. You see, and God still pushes through. And I feel like we have to have that same courage and drive and intensity. Now, make no mistake about it, I'm still addressing the quote a little bit here, but this episode won't just be centered around God, even though God is present in everything that I do and in everything that I believe. But I just want to make it clear that God is with us every step of the way. And when it comes to you and the person that you are, you are wherever you go. 
No matter where you are, you will always be with you. When you go home at the end of the day and look in the mirror, you are who you have to deal with. So think about that. Maybe you aren't as consistent with how you treat yourself or uh, how you treat others. And again, that's another matter that can really get us into trouble. And I know a lot about that. And when, as you gain more experience and spend more time on earth, you definitely learn that it's so much more to your body and your mind than you realize. And it wants to feel valued. It needs to feel respected. And it needs to feel loved all the time and no matter what relationship you have with anyone charity starts at home maybe you're over calculating the risk of a negative outcome you're spending much too much time thinking and scared that things are going to go wrong and you're paralyzed and you're not taking any action you're not getting anything done you're not getting anything but any results if anything you're associated with the adult results. If anything, your identity is caught up in the results. You think that you are what happens and you are what occurs. So if I take part in this goal, if I try to see this thing through, if it fails, I'm automatically a failure. And a lot of these things, I, I'm, I'm making some of these points because a lot of these things comes down to our beliefs, our beliefs in ourselves. The things you tell yourself about yourself, the ideas that you have about people, the ideas that you have about how this world works, it starts there. And it starts with your beliefs. Beliefs have the power to create and destroy. Remember that. Beliefs have the power to create and to destroy whatever. Tony Robbins said that our beliefs are guiding forces designed to lead us toward pain or pleasure. Think about that for a second. Our beliefs are guiding forces designed to guide us in the direction of pain or pleasure. Like right about now, every belief, everything that is taking place in your life, you are keeping it around because it brings you pleasure or you're rejecting it because it brings you pain or the thought of it brings you major or massive pain. Our beliefs are instilled in us as children when we're growing up. So whoever you grow up under, you pretty much adapt a lot of their beliefs about life. Maybe not all of them, but maybe half of them. Maybe most of them, depending on how, what kind of kid you were. Maybe all of them, if you really wanted to make your parents proud and all of those wonderful things. Growing up as a kid, I grew up in a family where there were hardworking adults at play, you know, very hardworking, very ambitious people that I grew up under. But in the same token, I grew up under people that were born in the 50s and 60s, and they were raised to walk through life and believe that it's important to go through life not talking, not discussing the bad things that happened to you, the things that might have broken you, the things that might have created trauma in you, because in that silence, that resembles strength and poise and power. But coming up, you know, with me and my, my siblings and I, we grew up in the care of people that saw the world in a more jilted, more bitter kind of way. And I'm very sure that they didn't see it that way. They were really doing the best they can. And I appreciate them for that through and through. But a lot of times, whenever there were things wrong in the world, a lot of the response was, you know, to, you know what I'm saying, the white man did this, the white man did that, the white man did this. And to me as a kid, it was a little disheartening to grapple with because in hearing that someone else was on the other end of our suffering or the world suffering or whatever, it's just I couldn't understand what I could do about that. And it just constantly put me in a situation where I felt like I couldn't be in control of my life. I felt like I'm receiving this information from someone 
that may feel like they're not in control of their life because of a certain kind of individual. And something in me just could never really subscribe to that way of thinking because it felt like seeing the glass half empty, or <laughs> whatever the phrase is. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, you know, but I do recognize that they wanted to bring an awareness of elements out there that probably wouldn't necessarily regard my care or be, have my genuine interest at heart. But I had to learn that in getting older, I would have to learn to choose for myself because if I would have just based my life and my beliefs on the way my parents saw other people, then I could have been very well been very close-minded to being friends with people of different kinds of ethnicities and stuff like that. And again, I don't hold this against them. They had to do the best that they can, and they did. You know, if anything, I could I can always feel the spirit of protection, the intention of protection and making sure that we know better and we know better, like if anybody, you know, pulls us over or what to expect and going out into the world. But at the very heart of it was a very jilted, bitter way to see the world. And I could have took those beliefs and I could have definitely became a different kind of person as a result. But I wanted to be someone that focused on the bigger picture. And I wanted to be someone that could also take responsibility for my life. I didn't want to be someone that particularly had to blame anyone for my not advancing or not taking advantage of every opportunity that's available to me. I grew up around relatives that value better treatment and uh, better care and really the true freedom and abundance for Black people or just for one singular race above all. And that was cool. I could definitely gel with that until I realized that there are other opinions about different kinds of people in the world, you know, LGBT related. And it connected with me that, you know, if all of us can't be free, then what's what's the value? You know what I mean? Like growing up, you hear all types of homophobic things, very dark and vicious kind of language and opinions about people just because of who they are. And to me, it really just reminded me a lot of the things that I saw in movies and read in books about how someone can just judge you and judge your character without really knowing you or knowing what you stand for. And again, that was another belief that I could have adopted. If anything, I feel like I did adopt that belief to a degree, but I had lots of growing up to do and changing to do because I would need to be free of those things to love myself fully as I got older. But it was just that thing where if all of us can't be free, then what's the point of any of it? If we're going to be in a place where we can judge anyone and we live in a world where people are judging us and discriminating against us all the time, why would we go and do that to another group of people? Why would we discriminate against another race when we all want freedom and we all want to be loved and accepted for who we are, despite our skin color or whoever we love? So, you know beliefs. You may have grown up with a mom that worked three jobs to support you, and in seeing her work three jobs, you internalize that when it comes to working for what you want, that you have to kill yourself. You have to neglect yourself. You have to do whatever it is that you have to do for your household and your family with no regard for yourself. And hear me out. I certainly admire, uh, admire the grind and the hustle, but it's always everything is balanced and moderation. And in all the hustling and all the grinding, there needs to be a time to replenish and restore because if we're running ourselves ragged, then the mindset suffers, the self-image suffers. So maybe that's something that you internalized. Maybe you grew up watching dad come home and have a drink at the end of a bad day of work every day. And for you, you internalize that when things are wrong, when there are problems big or small, you have a drink, you self-medicate. 
you have a you have a cocktail, maybe you do drugs or whatever. And you probably had experiences in life that have shown you that it's time to expand that idea. It's time to outgrow that belief. As children, we grow up and we develop generalizations about life. And generalizations are pretty much patterns that we identify that pretty much communicate to us how life works. You know, growing up, you might have been robbed by an Italian guy. And you grow up, uh, or your mom might have been robbed by an Italian guy. And as a result, she raises you and your siblings to think that maybe just certain kinds of people rob people and they can't be trusted. Or uh, maybe, you know, you watch one too many movies and they share the idea that Black people are lazy and, you know, or complain too much. And you have this idea that Black people can't be trusted. Or you have this idea, you see all the movies about how white people enslaved everybody and you grew up feeling like all white people are bad because maybe a percentage of them had these beliefs or took uh, took place in this thing that is slavery, you know? Sometimes we create generalizations in our life in the more complex regions of our life and as a result, we oversimplify things and in return, we create limiting, limiting beliefs and eventually they get in our way. The great thing about building positive and healthy and solid beliefs are whatever it is that you believe in and the strength and emotional intensity of that belief, you allow yourself to tap into resources and powers that you probably didn't realize you had access to in believing in that particular thing. You may believe that you're a great singer. You may really believe that you're a great singer. And in the depth of that belief, you're able to tap into skill sets and different things where you're a stronger storyteller or you're really uh, good at controlling how people feel or making people feel however you want them to feel. You may believe that you're a powerful learner and in the depth of that belief, you end up tapping into resources where you're able to finish books quickly. You're able to digest 100 to 200 pages a day. You're able to comprehend very quickly. You're able to digest the most complicated topics like economics or whatever and it's all because you have this dominant powerful belief of being a powerful learner a lot of times we build these beliefs up from life experience people probably tell us things people inform us about our talents or whatever growing up in school and different things like that people Kids and teachers told me that I was a talented writer, and this was about, this is around maybe seven or eight, maybe about eight. You know, my teachers always told me, you're such a good writer, you're such a talented writer, and different things like that, and I internalized that, and that made me feel special, that made me feel unique, because I didn't know anyone else that received those kind of compliments, and I didn't know anyone else that indulged in writing the way I did. And in that belief, it became a conviction. And in that conviction, I discovered that I can write, I can write anything. I can write poems, I can write songs, I can write short stories, I can write books, I can write plays, I can write anything that I literally anything that I set my mind to. And that just unlocked a whole bunch of doors for me. I can unlock, I can write articles, blogs, whatever. And in this episode, I really want us to just think about some of the powerful beliefs that we can create to help us achieve our goals, to help us align with the identity that we want to obtain, to help us get on track with who we want to become. But more than anything, I really want you to connect with the fact that whatever pain or pleasure that takes place in your life, that's taking place in your life right now, it's all coming from the root of a belief that you have. And in you examining whatever that belief may be, you can get to the bottom of the problems that you're having. So many times, way more often than not, we have beliefs pulling the 
the, the strings and running the show in ways we don't realize because they're so internalized within us. The moment we believe something, we no longer question it. Depending on how much we believe in it, we really don't question it. And hopefully in this episode, I can just encourage you to question things more. Question anything. Question everything. But never take anything just at face value without it meeting your personal standards of approval. Like emotions and decisions and the questions we ask ourselves, beliefs also dictate the actions that we take in our life. They guide our very actions. There could be a certain job for a cashier at uh, Mariano's going on, but if you feel like Mariano's don't hire black people, that's the belief that you have. If you want to resolve a feud that you may have with your parents and you're scared that they may show up and they may not want to listen, they may just want to do all the talking or over-talking and not listen, that's the belief that you have. That's not to say that things haven't occurred to help feed that belief. But again, in this podcast, my goal is to help you lean more towards neutrality, uh, looking at things neutrally and being a little slower to assign positive and negative values to life experience and keeping them neutral so there aren't as many strings attached and you can be more centered in the decisions that you have to make for yourself and the approach that you need to take to progress and have closure and grow. Welcome back to the Medicine Cabinet. This is segment two of this episode. And in this segment, we'll be talking about limiting beliefs and how they may be preventing you from being your personal best. Mignon McLaughlin said, learning too soon our limitations, we never learn our powers. This is such a powerful quote to me because I feel like uh, as people, we all come into this life and we all have a strong tendency to inherit the beliefs, the limiting beliefs of our families, of our parents, of our guardians, of our grandparents. And those beliefs have a lot to do with what we get accomplished in this life if we don't pay attention to what we were given. Growing up, you know, we all, we've had the parents where, you know, when we do something wrong or when we make mistakes, I know you weren't raised that way. We didn't raise you like that. We didn't raise you to do that. We didn't raise you to do that. Growing up as a kid, I knew pretty early that I, that I wanted my career, whatever I did in life, I wanted it to be associated with music. Specifically, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a musician. And in learning that I wanted to be a musician, I saw the intention very early that God placed a musician in my life, my dad. You know, and my dad is a very talented bass guitarist, very talented. And growing up, I recall seeing and listening to him practice all the time. And even though we didn't get along, we weren't close like that. We weren't very, we weren't really close at all, but we definitely connected on music, you know, and we couldn't connect openly, but I could just at least be in the room and be a fly on the wall when he's practicing, whether he's practicing for church or he's just practicing to just stay sharp. And I hear him uh, playing Anita Baker or whoever and just really just getting in the groove and that just planted a seed of ambition in me where I really got more in tune and attuned with the idea that this is who I want to be. But as I started to get older, I would see him join groups and have his own groups and different opportunities like that. And I would see him and my mom argue a lot because he wanted to take time for himself to pursue his music and pursue his passions. And 
you know, she came from the angle of that's not real, real, that's not realistic, and that's not going to pay the bills, and you know, that's going nowhere, and you're wasting time doing that. We need to figure out how we're going to pay these bills and different things like that. And I know that they didn't do that to discourage me or anything like that. It was just they they had to meet reality wherever it was at the time, but it did discourage me a great deal. And I thought that maybe I can have aspirations or interest in music, but in terms of actually being a full-time musician and going the distance with being a musician, that that was folly, that it was nonsense, and that it would never happen. And it's just because I actually saw a wife not particularly support her husband in that regard. And this isn't no throwing any shade to my mom or nothing like that at all. It's just, it's just my experience, so get over it. <laughs> but I just saw early on, you know, in the limited beliefs that I myself, like maybe it's not possible. And I know she loves him and they've been together for a long time. And if she feels like him pursuing music is impossible and is a waste of time, maybe for myself, I need to take that cue and realize that pursuing music is a waste of time. Maybe I can just enjoy music on a deeper level and just embrace it that way. But in terms of having any real career or doing anything major with uh, with music in my life, that would probably be a mistake and it wouldn't reap any real benefits. But I learned that I was wrong. As kids, we grow up and we see the world in the fullness of what it is. And we truly have that belief that we can be anything and be anyone. And it's always been a goal of mine to hold on to that, you know? And I know when it comes to all of us, it's not as easy for all of us because we always have the realistic people around to tell us what's realistic and what's not. And I grew up around lots of realistic people that wanted to just tell me what wasn't realistic or that I was dreaming too big or that I was asking too much out of life. And me being a kid that I am, I couldn't watch, I could watch Michael Jackson dance across the screen. I can watch Oprah Winfrey be on TV. I can watch Montel, George, uh, Montel Williams be on TV. I can watch all types of people be on TV and experience all kinds of success and just have that inclination that if they have access or they have the ability to achieve the success by me watching them and knowing of them, I immediately have the same chances, whatever they are, but I owe it to myself to try my hardest and put my best foot forward. And it's the same with you. You probably want to start a bakery or you probably want to start a certain kind of business and you feel like there's people around you where, yeah, COVID's going on right now. It's just not a good time to start that business. You're not being realistic. You'll need money to do this and you'll need money to do that. And you can just see they have such a passion about turning down your ambition, about turning down your shine, or about just not wanting to support you in whatever it is that you want to accomplish for yourself. I've always had that strong, passionate feeling of wanting to create something that outlasts me. I've always been drawn to and inspired by people like Quincy Jones and people like Beyonce and Yala Van Zandt and Oprah and Tyler Perry because they've always been very instrumental in wanting to create things, create legacies. Maya Angelou, that wanted to create legacies that far outlive them and create a phenomenal sense of value that can that they can never be paid back for. You know, they may live pretty good lives, but with the tremendous amount of value that they've contributed, they could never really be paid back for that, but nor do they want to. And that brings it back to character. They really drove home the fact and idea for me that as humans, we have the ability to take any experience and create something beautiful, something meaningful, something that will set us up to be able to serve in a capacity that's much larger than ourselves and empower ourselves and ultimately help us save our lives and fulfill our contracts, if you will, in terms of what we're here to do. It really takes being honest and taking the time to ask yourself the real questions, the hard questions, and 
what is it about the way that I was brought up that may be impeding my success right now? What is it about the way that I was brought up that may be impeding the relationships that I have right now? The way I see myself, the way I resolve problems, the way I connect with others, my ability to see the bigger picture, whatever. Like I mentioned in the last episode, successful people learn to endure and transform their life experiences by giving them more empowering meanings. Again, you can be there and you could have grew up with parents that were abusive or alcoholics or whatever like that. And you don't have to forget that they beat you or did terrible things to you, degraded you or anything. You don't have to forget any of those things because that is your experience. Learn how to that learn how to label life experience experience as opposed to truth. Truth is when you give something a pure and powerful meaning that liberates you because if you're choosing a truth that's going to imprison you, imprison your mind, imprison your beliefs, imprison your uh, sense of self-efficacy, then it's not really truth at all, is it? It's, if anything, it's definitely a lie. So... Think about that. Any any observations or experiences that you might have had in your life, any experiences, dark experiences that you may be calling one thing, how can you purify that experience and make it more empowering and powerful to help you move forward? It will take time. It probably will feel a little fake. You're probably going to have to fake the funk and just talk yourself through it for a bit before it starts to feel real. Don't expect it to feel natural in you making this change because you've trained yourself to view this experience a certain way, and that's taken time. You haven't questioned this experience in a long time, so it's going to take time and effort to create doubt and turn that experience around and create a more powerful meaning to help create a more powerful outcome. Understand that one of the key factors in deciding whether you will be successful and happy in this life or not is how you choose to deal with your adversities, how you choose to deal with your problems, how you choose to deal with your challenges. Because if you choose to deal with them as puzzles and things that are happening and unfolding for you to help you accomplish a fullness of character or to fully integrate your character, then you'll be on autopilot and your beliefs will be serving you to receive quote-unquote problems as benefits and they'll become your stairway to success. But if you continue to see problems or challenges as inconveniences and misfortunes that are just holding you up and getting in your way and just just crapping on your pretty peaceful life, and then you'll only be left to your own meager will and you'll live a half-life and there'll be no closure and it'll be ongoing drama and dysfunction and this isn't coming from a judgmental place it's only coming from a familiar place because i've lived the shit so it's just you know what i mean like just to like one of my values is freedom and at 31 this saturday i'm gonna be 32 but at 31 i'm at this place where it's me or you Myself included, whether it's beliefs or quote-unquote understandings that I have a thing about things or whatever like that, it's me or you. And a lot of adulthood is about unlearning what you learned as a kid. Most times your parents weren't even ready for you. No parents are really ever ready to be parents because lots of parents have or struggle with the idea that every kid is different. I've learned that so much and so extensively that parents, a lot of parents tend to think that they can give parents, all children, the same thing. 
And because all of them got the same thing, that they should be cool. So if one, if you have, if a parent has three kids and one of them turned out cool and doesn't have any problems with them, the other two shouldn't have any issues with them either because they all got the same thing. And if it was good enough for him, it should be good enough for them. And that's not how life works. And we can't spend the rest of our life spinning our wheels, you know, in that mess, in that filth. We have to definitely take the proper steps to unlearn the things that don't serve us, to expand or uh, expand the boxes that we've outgrown or to really just knock the lid off the box and embrace the world differently. Because if we don't, we'll be destined to continue to repeat our mistakes. And sometimes we feel like, you know, we do something, the mistake we made, we get a maybe a month or two break from it, but it's only going to show up in another skin. It's only going to show up in a new person and with a new smell, with a new, or how Oprah says, with a new pair of pants or a new skirt. <laughs> so, you know, it's really about just taking the time to examine these negative beliefs. In Tony Robbins' book, Awakening the Giant Within, he mentions a concept called learned helplessness. And learned helplessness is pretty much an ongoing cycle of learned victimhood. And, and that helplessness tends to invade our lives in the following ways. One, permanence. We tend to feel like whatever, whatever problems that we have going on, whatever issues that we may have going on, they're going to last forever. It feels like I just can't get off this rock. You know, I'm miserable at my job and, you know, I'm ready to make a move and or they won't give me a raise or whatever the issue may be with the job. But I have this problem. I have this stress and it's been going on for months now and it feels like it's going to go on for the rest of my life. This problem is all consuming permanence. We all have the you know, we've all been there. It took me a long time to come terms, come to terms with the fact that I'm an entrepreneur because the Bible says a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. And I found myself at a period in my life where I no longer wanted to work for people, that I ignored all the whispers and all the screams and the brick wall was falling for months and months and months. And life got me to the place where I said, I'll be homeless, I'll walk the streets, I'll do whatever, but I cannot work for another person ever again. And even though that period of hell was miserable, I'm thankful for that period because in that sense of helplessness or learned helplessness, it helped me really drive the point home that I don't want to work for nobody else. I don't want to answer to nobody else. I don't want to punch into no one else's clock ever again. And I did that almost four years ago at 28. And I just said, this is the cutoff. Whatever life is going to be behind this, I know God got me because he's taken lots of drastic measures to get me to this point. So now it's just time to figure out what the hell is going on and to just not worry about having the answers and just to make do with what you have because you were born with all the answers already. So whatever it is that you need to know, whatever it is that you need to figure out, like the rest of life, you're going to figure this shit out on the road while you're walking. But right now, at this point in time, this is done. Permanence is just feeling like no matter what you do, you've tried everything. No matter what you've done, you've tried A through Z, that this situation just isn't changing. Permanence. Pervasiveness. Pervasiveness is definitely similar to permanence in some ways, but it's even more so that one particular problem is just violating and just seemingly upending your life and you just can't do nothing about it. It's just this one area of your life is just sucking and you can't change the channel. And, you know, one thing that you can definitely do is focus your sights on things that you can control so you can feel like you have a sense of control going on. Easier said than done. When I was going through the issues with work, I started 
to go out just a little bit more. You know, there's a the SoFar shows. They have those everywhere. <laughs> but they have the SoFar shows, the live performances and different things like that. I started going out to more live performances and different things and trying to get a personal handle, get a handle on my personal life. So since work sucks so much and sucks so much of the life out of me, at least I can make the most of my larger chunk of time. So I started to go out a little bit more. I started to give me a little bit more business and that may look different for you. Maybe with you, it's taking a little bit more time to record more videos for your YouTube channel. Or maybe it's preparing more recipe, uh, recipes for the restaurant that you really want to open. Or maybe it's making more time to get sewing done if you're a fashion designer. Maybe it's taking more time to practice your, your speaking if you want to do speaking whatever, but find a way to get a handle on something that you can control. And personal. It's every time we have a major issue or an issue, we automatically include ourselves in that issue and we make ourselves the problem. If we're having a problem in our relationship and we have problems with our parents, our families, or and with our work, our careers, or if there was an issue at your store and there was an unexpected fire, all of a sudden you're cussing yourself out and you're really beating yourself up and all of a sudden you're a failure and you're just incapable of being able to make mistakes. Growing up in LGBT, plus kid, I took it personal that it, there were times where I knew my family was ashamed of me or they were embarrassed of me or that I did things or I acted or behaved in ways that embarrassed them. And I took that very personally. I felt I'm, that made me feel like I was a failure. That made me feel like I wasn't worth protecting, that I wasn't worth sticking up for. Growing up, I took it personally that my brother didn't want to hang around with me a lot because I was this way. And this thing was a large part of and making him feel embarrassed of me and just creating an energy where he didn't always want to be around me. Or when it ever, if we were around each other, it was an inconvenience and he had to take me with him or drag me here and there. And I just never wanted to be that kind of way, but you can't help what you are. And I had to learn, you can't help who you are. And it took so many years to not, to stop taking that personal and just learn that people are who they are. And you can't base your self-worth on how someone thinks of you or that your decisions or that your choices are going to piss somebody off or whatever. You aren't what happens. You aren't the results. You aren't the outcome. You aren't what people think of you. You aren't what they say when they're really pissed off at you. You're not none of those things. It's a difference. The self is the self, and the results are the results. And a part of establishing a healthy self-image is learning how to separate yourself from the results. It's learning how to recover. It's learning that, you know, you may lose people. People may not want to show up for you as a result of whatever it is that you have going on, but you have to know that you'll be okay. You'll be okay. A few years ago, I had an experience where I was actually uh, hanging out or kicking it with one of my older brother's uh, best friends, and there was a barbecue going on, and we were playing spades, and... We were talking about bunches of different things, you know, we were having, you know, drinks and just talking and talking things over. And, you know, we got to talking about God a little bit. And he made a remark and he in his remark, he said that, who do you do you think that the ancestors over in Africa served Jesus? And in him saying that something like it feels like a car splashed a big puddle on me and something me could just couldn't get dry, just couldn't shake that remark, you know? For weeks and weeks on end, I just couldn't shake that. After that occurred, I just couldn't shake that. And I felt like the more I started to kind of question things and question stuff behind hearing that, the more I started to experience relief and experience enlightenment and growth. And 
ultimately for me, that experience showed me and taught me that we all can call God different things. We can all call him different names. Some of us can see God as a woman. You know, anything is possible. But we all call God different things. But just because we're calling God different things doesn't mean we're talking about different people. Anyone that believes in God, we're all talking about the same thing. And to believe in God doesn't mean that we have to refer to him to just one name. We have to expand that world. We have to expand that global view, that global belief, and know that God comes to all of us in different ways, in ways that we can recognize, ways that we can appreciate, and that we're all not gonna have, that we're all not going to have the same manufactured God that this religion may tell you about, and that religion may tell you about. And that taught me a, such a beautiful lesson and opened my eyes. It also showed me that I don't have to be dedicated to one religion growing up. I found it hard to connect with the religion a lot because growing up as a Christian, growing up in the Baptist religion, I felt like I spent a lot more time as a kid and adult hearing more about what you don't do in life and what's bad and what'll make you go to hell and all those kind of things. And I feel like in me and people around me, that kind of energy and those kind of teachings were creating perfectionists and creating people that felt they were unworthy of making mistakes and experiencing life on the downside. If you make a mistake or whatever, as opposed to thinking, if you make a mistake or you do this, God's not gonna love you anyway or love you anymore or just all the contingencies and all of that. But that one conversation sparked a world of enlightenment. It showed me that I can compile my own spiritual practice. I can have elements of Christianity. I can have elements of Buddhism. I can have elements of Islam. I can have Eastern philosophy principles mixed into whatever, but it gets to be what I call it. I don't have to subscribe to anybody else's way of serving my soul and serving myself spiritually. And that opened doors for me. And I just want you to get in a place of questioning your beliefs and questioning whatever. It doesn't have to be related to, you know, God or, or your religion or anything like that, but just questioning anything that you feel has been holding you back, keeping you from seeing the world in a brighter, more pure light. Question it, evaluate it, get into it today. Hey y'all, welcome back to the final segment of this episode. Eric Butterworth said, Faith is expectancy. You do not receive what you want. You do not receive what you pray for. Not even what you say you have faith in. You will always receive what you actually expect. And this is a fantastic quote because it really speaks to the point that all, per, all personal breakthroughs are on the other side of a change in belief. So any major breakthroughs you've ever had in your life, whether you know it or not, they occurred only because there was a, there was a change, a significant change in the belief that you had about that situation. When I, I was a security guard, I, was, I remember when I was working as a security guard and I was about maybe 22 you know, 22 at the time. And as a security guard, I was miserable with my work, but I thought it was the only way really that I could earn a living because growing up, everybody that I, everybody that, uh, everybody that I knew, excuse me, they were pretty much security guards and they worked in security and maybe a couple of truck drivers here and there, but mostly security. And it took me meeting my partner to actually clue into the idea that I can expand my idea of professionalism. I can expand what it means to have a career. And 
for someone that actually just got out of college, uh, maybe a year or two prior, I still needed to work through those beliefs of seeing myself in a larger light. You know, working in security, I was making $9 an hour. And again, I wasn't the happiest. I was doing maybe about 70 hours a week, if that's, if not more, but I was making $9 an hour. And the day I decided to actually apply to a call center and put myself out there and transfer into the corporate sector, my life actually changed because in the co- the scope of maybe three and a half to four years, I went from making $9 an hour to $15 an hour. You know what I mean? In such a brief scope of time, to go from nine to 15 like that blew my mind and it went from there. But it just really goes to show that when you expand a belief you can definitely experience a tremendous breakthrough. So no matter where you are in life right now, you're one breakthrough or one change away from a personal breakthrough. You know, it makes me think about people like Oprah and Oprah starting her uh, film television company in 1986. You know what I mean? At that time in 1986, she was already a millionaire, but she was doing something that was really unprecedented for women, for black women or thinking about Tyler Perry and how he saved up all his taxes and how he saved up all his money, how he allowed himself to lose job after job and be homeless just to see his stage plays get off the ground. You know, if he would allow people to tell him he was not, he was being unrealistic or, you know, he was being ridiculous, those things would have never happened. When it comes to creating new beliefs, Creating new beliefs start with associating enough pain to that belief, whether it's uh, linking major consequences to not believing in it or either linking major benefits to keeping it around or creating it. After you've linked major pain or pleasure to that belief, then you can start to create doubt. You know, start to trigger change by questioning things, by looking, reading books, maybe looking into what kind of videos are online about this particular matter. Let's say maybe you want to stop smoking weed and and you're not and you wanting to stop smoking weed. You need more references. You need more uh, examples of life experiences or triggers to help you smoke weed. Uh, Maybe it would take you visualizing you losing your home. Maybe your parents cutting you off. Maybe the idea that you would want to smoke so badly you would steal from your kid or uh, all of those things. Or maybe thinking about the hundreds of thousands of dollars you spend over the years in smoking weed or thinking about the kind of harsh effects it can have on the body or the brain, or maybe it puts you in a place where you're inactive and you're gaining tons of weight or whatever, but compile what you need to compile. It can be imaginary, it can be real, but create the references that you need to help you quit weed if that's what you're trying to do. If you're trying to create a belief, like myself, I've always seen myself as someone who loves to speak and inspire and motivate people. So as a result, I listen and watch and learn and buy books from motivational speakers and people that inspire me. Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Eric Thomas, Mel Robbins, Tom Bilyeu, um, Robin Sharma, Jay Shetty. I mean, the list really goes on. And I start to model myself after these people. Yana Van Zandt, model myself after these people, model their mindsets, model the habits that they implement into their uh, their day-to-day. 
uh, get in the habit of quoting them, uh, getting into the habits of how they feed their mind or keep themselves sharp. Okay, if they have a morning routine and an evening routine, let me get one of those. What's a book that they've all read together at one point in the interview where you've heard all of them mention reading this book? Course of Miracles? Cool. Let me buy the book Course of Miracles and we can start it there. But model yourself after that person or those people who are exemplifying the beliefs that you want to use or implement in your own life. Like I said, once you find something that you want to believe or believe in, start to link major pain to the the consequences of you not believing in it. If you don't believe in it, what do you have to lose? What part of your identity is going to be affected in you not believing in this thing? But whatever you do, definitely avoid believing in anything or believing in something because everybody else believes in it. I've learned my best lesson in learning that you don't want to go where the majority goes. Um, I remember reading um, Earl Nightingale's uh, Leader of the Field and The Strangest Secret. And in both of those books, he definitely speaks in great detail about the consequences of following the majority, uh, chasing careers that the majority chases, uh, and just really making decisions and guiding your life on a more societal scale instead of being on the outskirts, being a deep thinker, being a critical thinker, and challenging the status quo and just finding where you land, finding the things that give you life and the standards that speak to you and your personal character. One of the very hardest beliefs that I had to break, and it's still taking time here and there, maintenance and whatnot, is just the idea that I have to work a job to be considered successful in this life and that I have to earn money and take care of myself in the same fashion that mostly everybody else do. And again, it's nothing against the nine to five culture. It's afforded me so much. It's taught me so much about myself. It's afforded me independence. It's shown me the different levels of my uh, hardworking abilities, resourcefulness, uh, the scope of my skill sets and just the many different things that I'm good at. But when it came to leaving, I really started putting my nose in books like Get Out While You Can by George Marshall and Be a Free-Range Human by Marion Cantwell and $100 Startup by Chris Gilbo and even Think and Grow Rich. But I just really needed to get in the psyche. I needed to get in the fabric of or get in the mind of people who have done what I'm trying to do. People who have been successful at the things that I'm trying to do. It makes me think of people like Marla Gibbs from uh, Good Times and how she was working as a reservations agent, uh, work at United Airlines while doing Good Times and while hustling and how when things got good enough, she was able to leave her job. Or John Legend, he worked as a management consultant before he got his big break. Or Steve Harvey working as an insurance agent, postman, and even a boxer. You know, Egala Van Zandt was a lawyer. Toni Morrison was an editor. You know, but they weren't those things forever. They decided at some point, I have to take the next step and I have to reinvent myself. This vehicle brought me as far as I can go. But now it's time to take the next step and propel myself forward. And I want you to challenge yourself to propel yourself forward by picking better, newer, fresher beliefs, by dismantling the disempowering beliefs, the ones that are holding you back, the ones that are the ones that are making you think the same way, the ones that are making you scared to ask for help, the ones that are keeping you from taking advantage uh, taking, taking advantage of growth-oriented experiences because you're overestimating the outcome and thinking it's going to be negative, whatever that may be, but it's time to 
break free and it's really time to do a new thing. And hopefully this episode can be something that can galvanize this process and get that going for you. Okay, y'all. So, as you know, this is my favorite part of the episode, and that's the air segment. And it's just because I always want to drive home the idea that a new era of your life can start anytime you want it to. Whether that's five seconds from now, one minute from now, ten minutes, or an hour from now, it can start whenever you want it to, whenever you're ready. Hopefully this episode was instrumental in telling, teaching you a little bit about beliefs and how impactful they are, how they dictate our actions, how they control so much of what we do, where we go, and who we become in this journey. So the first letter is E, emancipate. Emancipate your mind. Emancipate your beliefs. Emancipate yourself from your upbringing, your opinions, everybody's opinions. Free yourself from all of those things. Allow yourself to start fresh. Figure out what it is that you want. Figure out what you actually believe. Figure out what you actually care about when your mom and dad isn't in your ear telling you what you should be doing. Figure out what you actually want to be about when your friends aren't telling you that you should be, you know, a marine biologist or a banker or working in collections, whatever. But emancipate. The next letter, R, rehabilitate. Rehabilitate your idea of what's possible Revert back to your childhood when you thought that anything was possible, that you can be an astronaut, you can be an astronaut, you can be a teacher, you could work at NASA, you can do whatever you wanted. Model someone who brings that to life in you. Model someone who dares you to dream big. Renee Brown has a fantastic book called Daring Greatly, y'all, and Y'all need to check that joint out because it's definitely taught me even more. I've always been someone that loves to dream super big and not just for myself. I'll dream the biggest dream for you and blow your damn mind. You hear me? (laughs) But Renee has such a way with words and bringing a little science and theory in the mix and just helping you exploring, help you explore that to a greater degree. But rehabilitate. And A, appoint. Appoint references and role models of credibility and integrity that spark, that speaks to your heart and the soul of who you are as a person. And investigate why they captivate you the way that they do. Choose books and explore the concepts and beliefs in those books that speaks to you in the most natural realm that you can understand. But have people around you put, uh, put pictures on your wall. Maybe you work in an office. Have pictures of people that inspire you and, and keep you reminded of where you're going. You may be working right now, but not always. Or maybe you have a promotion in mind. Put pictures of Steve Jobs or anyone up that propels you to do more, to be more. And never allow yourself to settle or be stuck in one place. Your life can change at any time, whenever you want to, and that's not just fluff. And as you gain more experience in this journey, hopefully you can experience just how quick certain changes can take place when you actually believe believe in them. Like I was saying earlier that your, your ability or how much you believe in God is tied, closely tied to how much you believe in yourself. You can't believe 
that God can accomplish this, 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 and that, and that for you without believing that you yourself is capable of that same power. So think about that. You're created in his image and your potential is limitless. So there you have it. Emancipate, rehabilitate, and the point. Before we go, I just really want to thank y'all for hanging in here with me. I know we went a little bit over time, but that's okay. This is very important and passionate to me. We'll definitely be talking more about this in later episodes. In the next episode, we'll be talking about the imposter syndrome. And I have a lot to share with that. So y'all definitely don't want to miss that. If I said anything to you in this episode that spoke to you, If it's just one idea or one comment, one story, whatever, drop one line in the rating box or just drop a line telling me something that stuck with you, something that stood out. And if there's any any particular topics that you're interested in hearing or learning about, let me know. Send me a message. Send me anything and just let me know and I can take a look at that. And if it works with what this podcast is about, I can definitely look into that and we will get into the thing, y'all. I also want to remind you that if you feel led to give or want to donate anything, there's another, there is an option available for you to donate and give. I appreciate all of that. I appreciate your giving. I appreciate your subscribing. Share this episode. Share these messages. Share all of it. And finally, the show notes will be available, so you can definitely look at those if you need to. And before we go, thank you so much for tuning into the Medicine Cabinet, where we get experimental about exploring your potential. See y'all later. Peace.